0: Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com/slash acast.
1: Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness.
2: Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
0: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
1: You don't own me. No one can tell you how to
0: travel as you are. Orbitz wants to help you discover where you want to go, who you want to go with, and what you want to do when you get there. Visit orbits.com slash pride to book your next trip. Orbitz.
2: Travel as you are.
1: Hello, my name is Dave Hanredy and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 25 of the No Encore podcast. It's a music podcast. You should hope you know that by now. But if you're just joining us for the first time, this is a podcast about music in which I, Dave Hanredy, uh, embittered music critic, as it says in the iTunes blurb, I'm joined on a regular basis by two of my colleagues slash friends slash acquaintances, I don't know, fierce rivals. To my left, Craig Fitzpatrick of News Talk. Anna Montana, what's up, how are you? That took a long time to get the, that nickname. <laughs> I but was just taking a deep breath. It's a good one. for the show. <clears throat> Cole Morrigan of Hot Press. How's it going? How are you? Yeah, not bad. How are we all doing this week? Keeping I'm, on, keeping on. I'm, I'm, I'm having a bit of a tough one. Um, I want Missing to say, a toot. Yeah, I want to say first off to the listeners, listeners, um, if I sound a little <laughs> bit weird... Weirder than usual. I should. I should. Add. Now
0: people just pick up on it. They want to
1: notice ah, the voice. Possibly. I'm. I'm just very conscious of it. Um, I had a tooth extracted yesterday, and you know I'm not feeling fantastic, but uh, I'm all good. <laughs> but I woke up this morning, and I could kind of feel like there's still a lot of very tender kind of tissue going on there. So. Um, I was kind of like, do it's I sound so like costly. I have a lisp? I might possibly. So if I sound if I sound a little bit different this week, that's the reason why. So uh, hopefully I haven't ruined the podcast now, and people will be looking for that throughout the episode. But you know, things could always be worse. And unfortunately, in the case of Craig Patrick this week, <laughs> Jesus. I didn't know. How, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to link it. Man. What a segue. Yeah. yeah sorry, uh, I'm I'm completely heartbroken.
0: Yeah. Um. Because the family cat died, and uh, Julian Casablancas was like christened him. Ten years ago, or Rascal, as the family kind of called him, which was the name he actually answered to as much as I tried to enforce Casablanca. No, he kind of died suddenly. He was hit by a car. It was awful. He was the most legendary of cats. He was awesome. So um, I'm very cut up about it, but... He it's was a
1: he was a hero, and I'm very very glad that I got to hang out with him. On you several did occasions. hang out with him quite yeah, a lot. A yeah, uh, f- few bonded. drunken nights together, several drunken <laughs> yeah. nights together. I feel like we bonded. Um, I would often see him kind of you know like if he, if he wasn't up for it, if he wasn't enjoying the kind of music you had on, or maybe even the company you were keeping. He'd let you know. He'd yeah. let you know. Yeah, he
0: was a good kind of barometer of what was going on. He was he was a smart guy. He um, does, he
1: deserved better, but you gave him a good life <laughs> and. Uh, I feel like we sound too gregarious about this but it's no, actually it's legitimate been, it's yeah, actually legitimately true legitimate legitimate so yeah Craig's been very down this week so it should be said to the
2: listeners though don't worry if you feel that we've gone off on a particularly grim note <laughs> stay tuned for our review
0: of Nick Cave's new <laughs> album coming up later yeah week. at least I had that album to comfort me over the last couple <laughs> oh, of days man, it's I'm been so a <laughs> fucking black hole <laughs> of misery so
1: sorry <laughs> <laughs> like yeah I mean like, I was listening to the Nick Cave album uh, this week like early in the morning and I was kind of like fucking hell but I mean I, I wasn't processing what you were going through so uh uh, shouts to Julian. He was one of the good ones. Yeah, yeah. Great cut. Awesome. A- anything horrific happen to you this week, man? I kind of escaped most, but I think, to be perfectly honest, yeah. <laughs> Just your standard weekend press. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Well, look, we'll move on. We'll get to the news. Uh, yes, We've got to follow-up on something from last week. Uh, we talked about Lil Wayne and how it looked like he was all over for him from perhaps a career point of view, but uh, no. Some he's, good news. He's back. And uh, he's he doesn't believe that racism exists, so we'll get to that one first. But no, no, he's uh, he shot down all all this kind of talk, uh, following him, announcing that he was defenseless and mentally defeated, and he gracefully, you know, kind of said goodbye to his fans. He's uh, come back and been like, no, no, it's all good. I'm, like, you know, like, I think he did a performance uh, on a talk show this week, so it's looking good. But yeah, I mean, this whole uh, there's no racism thing anymore, is this a sensationalist headline here, or are his words a little bit concerning, guys?
0: Well, he was, this was in reference to a concert um, he did some time ago where the crowd was almost entirely white, apparently, and he was kind of reflecting on that and what it meant to him on this sports show, because that's what you do on US sports shows, apparently.
2: But this is the thing, though, <laughs> Lil Wayne has a history. You guys know that I love, like, these sports shows Of course, shows yeah, It's going to throw it over. And, uh, yeah, he he he's appeared on Around the Horn before and uh this time he yeah, had the new one on Fox Sports, so this is his thing it seems.
0: Yeah. So he kinda took this you know, and a lot of rappers over the years have expressed discomfort with the fact they sometimes put on shows in, you know, suburban areas and it's predominantly a white crowd and they feel a bit like okay, out of their element or something. He said, No, he thought that was clearly a message that there was no such thing as racism. It's um, mainly
2: a message that you're playing in the fucking Hamptons. <laughs>
0: Probably, yeah. like you're playing in West Westchester. Westchester is a very very wealthy area, <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, but no, he th- he th- he took it as a sign that the younger generation is moving away from racism because it's not cool to them, um, which is a nice sentiment. But I don't know if it's entirely gl- true. And as you say, I'm that's glad not that we moved a good past this whole racism thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: it was taking us long enough. Um, but yeah, you got to wonder though what the crowd were like because uh, I remember when we talked about longitude on the podcast before, uh, George Morahan noted that he'd never heard so many white people throwing the n-word about with such fervor and colm you were saying that like you know kendrick lamar's kind of looking at in the crowd being like
2: eh, i don't know about this he, well, he wasn't too bad about it i i saw talib kwali play about 10 years ago and he was legit like the hell's going on here <laughs> he stopped the show not quite no his support act did his support act actually stopped halfway through a song to point out that there was a man in the front row wearing a sweater vest <laughs> and that man was me <laughs>
1: Were you wearing your do-rag at this show? I was not, no. Cullum has a do-rag when he's guilty of cultural appropriation and he should be publicly shamed as Which such. Which I don't believe Get him in, Get on Twitter in, at uh, one I don't believe sh- in cultural appropriation. You don't mm. believe in that? I don't believe that. It's wrong. So na- <laughs> Native American headdresses at festivals. They look awful,
0: the but th- th- I think people should be allowed to wear them. That's
2: the main reason I wear do-rags, <laughs> so that my Native American headdress doesn't chafe. <laughs>
1: Okay, I'm going to try and drag this uh, <laughs> the, the, this back into business here. Craig, I have some good news for you. Yes. Uh, in a week I in, which you, in which you need goodness, it. Yeah. You now, you know, listeners to the show will know that Craig has kind of. It's been a bit of a, a tug of the old heartstrings, a, a war of emotions, and a war of loyalty when it comes to Craig's streaming service of choice. I'm a bit uh, of a slut, really, yeah, at the end of the day. I, I'm not sure that word's okay either anymore. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, again, I can only apologize, listeners. This is not the podcast I thought it was. These are not the people I thought were sitting in front of me. These are <laughs> not my friends. But listen, uh, Craig has had a long protracted uh, saga with Tidal. You've since moved on.
0: I've moved on, yeah. Um... I moved back, to, uh, moved back in with Spotify and things were going fine but then Frank Ocean lured me to Apple Music and it actually felt really good for a bit. Lured you? Um, and we're, I'm still on with Apple Music at the moment because I've just forgotten to
1: completely cancel it but I think I have another two <laughs> this months. This is happening again. Yeah, well, I just <laughs> keep forgetting. <laughs> I tell you man, like, again, the Nick Cave thing, he talks about time being like an elastic band and how things just repeat themselves. Yeah. Case in point. Yeah. Um, yeah but yeah, there was talk, my... lots of talk actually that uh, Apple were going to buy Tidal which presumably would just throw you for a loop because like, surely you wouldn't Know if up, up is down or down, Would that Apple?
0: mean and I would get title for free.
1: See, these are the questions that must be just bouncing around your brain. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter, it anyway. doesn't matter because it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Apple Music Head Jimmy Iovine has squashed rumors that the company plans to acquire title. We're really running our own race, he told BuzzFeed News, uh, which is a hell of an outlet. Although, I think they're trying to do a news thing now, they're trying to be all things to all memes or something. I do fucking know, but yeah, he says, um, we're not looking to acquire any further streaming services. Uh, yeah, he's just completely shooting it down. Uh, that, which...
0: that makes sense to me. I mean, what do they need title for? To be honest, it's got tiny numbers. I mean, we heard it, it suffered a loss of what twenty-eight million
1: last year. I thought it was just for like the sake of monopolization to just crush your competition and absorb it. Yeah, yeah I but think title it's just... is
0: so struggling to such an extent that they don't even seem like competition. Sorry, come ahead.
2: No, the other thing is that at this point, I think they're still building their brands and building their audiences to the point that you know it actually doesn't help them if title isn't there. It's better if Tidal actually bite the the bullet for them, keeps spending in the marketing, builds up some sort of fan base, and then they can swoop in and buy it sort of like five,
1: ten years down the road. But it's not even like, granted, you got to spend money to make money, but like they reported a, a loss of $28 million, 28 million. Dollars well, last year. you know,
2: year. no streaming service right now is operating at a profit. Not a single one? Not a single one. How's Spotify doing? Because, doing now? well, you see, like, they're obviously getting you know some fans, but they're spending so much on uh, marketing and stuff like that. Um, and also because they they are paying a, a decent chunk to the record companies. Um, that yeah, nobody's actually operating at a profit yet. It, it's still relatively low streaming in terms of revenue, and even in terms of usage. When you think of you know music fans worldwide, so it's still very much a you know a growing industry. I guess.
1: Speaking of, there seems to be kind of a move to try and move into other areas. I know you spoke to uh, a top guy in Deezer recently. Yeah. And he was kind of saying that, like, in the UK, they've done live gigs and they kind of have a live brand. And he was like, that may very well come to Ireland next year. But, like, uh, it just sounds a little bit like, I mean, I don't know, like, shouldn't a streaming service... Like, I'm not saying don't have more to what you're doing, but, like, focus on the streaming service being the best possible thing it can be before you're, like, shooting off this way. Title to me, seems like kind of almost like a vanity project and almost kind of like, you know, they wanted to have... Street crowd or something, rather than it being a good service, it's a terrible service. Like, uh, like I mean, Craig, like you've you had it for longer than you, uh, I, 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 just I, I, I janky, have, yeah, just it's really terrible to kind of operate. Just app music's not much better. App music's very complicated. And it is. I mean, Spotify's so.
0: leagues ahead of them, um, and it's obviously paying off for them. And they haven't had to kind of do those exclusive deals that we've seen with the other services. They just seem to be kind of pulling on ahead because people are enjoying the service for what it is. So, yeah, it might not be making money, but certainly their kind of future projections are looking a lot healthier than Tidal, which. I'd be surprised if it's still around in a couple of years.
2: Well, Well, it's not like they don't have shareholders who don't have a a bit of change to pump into it yet.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's true. it, It is one of the least exciting kind of, you know, rock star wars though, isn't it? Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> it's not—it's not, it's not how it used to be. It's like, my streaming service is better than your streaming service. Yeah, yeah. It's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of all balance sheets and boring stuff. But... Yeah, but you know, like, like you want the music world to have more kind of wacky, kind of over the top stories. And sometimes, <laughs> even in a in, in a news week which was as quiet as this one, we're really going bottom of the barrel here, listeners, as you you can possibly tell. Uh, maybe my favorite story of the entire year: um, a Norwegian black metal legend has been elected to local office. By accident. Now, Cullum, you have familiarity with the country of Norway, so I'm mm-hmm. going to throw over to you on this one. Let's hear what you got to say. To be honest, Norway, uh, the
2: political spectrum is left and slightly further left. So I don't know if there's anybody that you could vote in that would actually fuck things up in any sort of considerable way. Maybe that's the gamble they've taken here. The lead singer of uh, yeah, a black Fenvers. metal band called uh, Dark Throne. His name is uh, yeah, Fenris. Fenris! <laughs> uh, but from now on, he will be known as Councilman Gilve Fenris
0: Nagel. It's not quite the same. No, it's not. I kind of prefer it, to be honest. Um, be like a Father
2: John Misty switch up. That'd be cool. What better, <laughs> he's got four years before he's even allowed to step down. This is
1: incredible. Uh, he's like, He can't get out of this. This is like jury duty for four years. Yeah,
2: so what happened was they, they asked him if he'd joined this list of kind of backup representatives <laughs> in, in which he would also have to be elected onto. And he just kind of said, yeah, whatever. And then, um, you know, ran a campaign. but well, poster- he felt like he
1: would be way down the list and there'd mm-hmm. be no chance of this happening. And I presume somebody called him up as, as a gag or something. It sounds like something that a radio station would do. I love the idea of somebody in the upper echelons of, you know, really boring kind of, you know, admin job was like, you know who I'm going to ring today? You know, I'm, I'm just not. I'm so sick of this. I'm, I'm ringing all these. Retired school teachers and, you know, like traffic wardens. I'm going to ring fucking Fenris from Darkthrone. Why yeah. not? What are you going to say? No. And then it's like, he said yes. Yeah. and But then, I mean, like he did his best to actually
2: sort of. Um, he played up to it. Torpedo it. He played up to it. Uh, he posed for his campaign poster, which is him holding his cat. Sorry, Greg. Oh. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry. With, with the subtitle of, uh, please don't vote for me.
1: Um, yeah. Clearly, the reverse See, I think psychology he's kicked in. Protesting and, uh,
0: too much, to be honest, he wouldn't have gone to this trouble of holding up his cat and saying, "Please don't vote for me." If you know,
1: the cat's name was Peanut Butter, by the way, which I think we can all agree is this not. Is so,
0: this is such a million miles away from mayhem and burning churches, and it's also yeah.
1: no, no, nowhere near the Julian Casablanca scale for naming a cat. No. But also, yeah, again, like, yeah, this is like Norwegian black metal bands are meant to be like hard bastards who burn churches and wear their own t-shirts because that's cool.
2: Yeah, maybe this is the new age. I don't know. He, he's proudly declared to, uh, Clairvoyant. Is that clairvoyant, but spelled funny? One more time. Um, Clairvoyant. Uh, but he's declared, Clair- I, I'm a
1: pillar of my community. He sends it. He sounds proud. Yeah. He also he said it's very boring. He said he's not enjoying himself. So basically, I have to step in when the usual people go to the big meetings or sick or something. Then I have to go and sit there and feel stupid among the straight people. I presume by straight he means, for lack of a better term, normal. I, I don't think he's. Straight. He means not heads. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. stiffs yeah, I don't think he's bringing sexual or orientation into this, but who the hell knows? But yeah, I mean, if that was to happen in this country, mm-hmm. if somebody from the music world and the Irish music spectrum was to get the call and, you know, you know, kind of on a way and went, yeah, fuck it, put me down. I'm sure i yeah. will be 57 places down the list and got elected to lo- lo- local council. Anybody spring to mind that you'd like to see in there? that I'd like to see I was thinking in terms of probability there for a second I feel like John Creedon could do a good job for Cork because he's obsessed with Cork yeah he loves Cork Yeah, he did do, <laughs> he do, he do, he do just I fine, once yeah. interviewed him for like you know my favourite city and shock horror his answer was Cork everyone's his took him about 15 minutes Cork. Took, took him about 15 minutes to tell me why because he was so annoyed at a Sunday Times review he got which he had some album about like 10 towns in Ireland or something Right. and yeah he went off on one he went off on this weird tangent. hang on this is John Spillan, not John, John Spillan Creedon. sorry I got it wrong john yeah. creeden loves cork as john, well, Cre- yeah but john yeah john, john we creeden's, all love cork john creeden's john, john actually uh um, seems a more stable man um but basically yeah john spline went crazy at me he was like giving a fuck about this review he got and he was all like you know like how dare they say this like that, 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 that this isn't interesting enough and i was on the phone being like this fucking isn't interesting enough like you can just tell me about cork so i can get off the fucking phone so yeah i feel like he'd do a good job
0: yeah
2: I think Damien Dempsey would do great around these parts
0: yeah, yeah definitely would, yeah, you Absolutely, can yeah. imagine him as like the town crier just being like yeah I'd like to get message out there
1: I'd see, see Brian McFadden chained to a desk down in whatever fucking dirt town he's from
0: yeah. if we're talking about forcing people like I like I don't know yeah. Gavin Friday maybe just oh, mixing be, things up and oh, just, that'd be class yeah. wouldn't
1: it Gavin Friday like I mean like presumably they, they Dublin they, City Council inundation turned turned it up. <laughs> office Christmas party do, do you know any singers Gavin <laughs> do you think you could ask someone you know like oh, I don't know who I'm really thinking of here but maybe someone you might be close to possibly and
2: in fact on that matter uh, next Sunday you two turn 40 years old and we will celebrate that fact by not mentioning them at all on next week's podcast <laughs>
0: congrats lads <laughs> delighted <laughs> what's that sound I hear attention everyone One, one, shut up Craig
2: Don Kanye
0: Yes, it's Craig on Kanye, um, and some more sad news this week. Um, They created maybe one of the the greatest pop moments of the year together, that father stretch my hands drop, which is just epic. But Kid Cudi and Kanye are back fighting again, and as it's been before, it's Cudi once again kind of lashing out at his former friend and mentor and the guy that kind of got him on the road in the industry. So Kid Cudi took to Twitter um, to talk about haters. Um, He said, I need you all to know i got so many haters within the industry and these clowns know I'm about to crush their entire existence. Everyone thinks they're so great. talking top five and be having 30 people writing songs for them so everyone kind of assumed then okay is he talking about Kanye is he talking about Drake because he's got so many ghostwriters he then confirmed my tweets applied to who they applied. <laughs> yay Drake whoever <laughs> so he got very very annoyed um, Drake had some words from the stage basically saying shut up Cody and Kanye responded as well <laughs> Ganya of course feels hurt and disrespected and he took another opportunity which he always tends to do to talk about the fact he brought in skinny jeans
1: <laughs> this is like his crowning no, achievement but even like the context of it seems like he was a malfunctioning robot like it has no correlation to what he says before <laughs> or after
0: yeah so he says Kid Cody, we're two black men in a racist world I got called names before you bro Why well, y'all got to be coming at me uh, then he compares himself to Malcolm X and now he sounds genuinely hurt and they have a history of kind of falling in and out with each other they seem to be the best of buddies again certainly at that Madison Square Garden show the arms around each other some uh, it was an amazing gift that came out of that which I use constantly when I'm happy no more it's a sad day so um, I'm sure that up eventually but Kid Cudi kind of biting the hand
1: feeds him but apparently he has form for this uh, he our, does very much so yeah. our Toronto Urban rap correspondent Joshua Hughes has noted that he was like this is nothing new. this happens all the time yeah,
0: and it's a pity because they work so well together, and certainly Cuddy doesn't do half as good work when he doesn't have Kanye's guiding hand, hand there, so he kind of needs him on side, I think. He's a very talented guy, but doesn't always know what to do with that, that talent. Well, so. like
2: you say, previous records suggest that they will probably patch things yeah. up, so yeah. no need to strike have. him off the Christmas card wish list quite yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, think, you talk about talented guys who aren't necessarily getting it together anymore, and like... Uh, you got to wonder, like, you know, was talent always there? I'm referring to the songs of the week. Of course you are, Dave. <laughs> I can't wait for this. We're going to kick off with Kings of Leon and their grand return with Waste a Moment, which sounds like this.
2: She's a little man, I'm gonna throw you to the
1: That's a ragtag rock group, Kings Leon, back again. People seem to be fairly enthused. I'm not. You're going to make a joke about waste a moment? I wasted many moments listening to this song. No, Craig, I'm going to take the high road on this one. (laughs) I'm just going to talk about it being a really, 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 really nothing song. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I have
2: down for it. I was like, it's just
0: it's meh, isn't it? You know, it is. It's like the midway point between you, somebody, and Sex on Fire. Like it's, it's, uh, and when it hits the chorus, which is, there's nothing much to it, those backing vocals that are just trying to sell some kind of hook, anthemic hook, it's quite calculated. And the thing is, I constantly am holding out hope for these guys because I think they did great work at the start of their career. 13 and
1: years ago or whatever it was. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming back it's, years it's ago, over. It's, g- <laughs>
0: it's over, man. The last really good record was maybe eight years ago now.
1: Um, You're referring to uh, because of the
0: times, which was their third record and very good. If kind of starting this move into and more. And st- and used no, no, that was that was only, by, f- by, tonight, only no. by the night, No, what did that
1: one have? Um, Songs so that you would
0: know, f- Crawl fans.
1: Um, I'm trying to think of other tracks Four you would kicks know that was beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not the most well versed Kings of Leon guy. I like what I like, and with them, I like very little. Uh, and I do think that, without question, this is one of the most obvious examples of diminishing returns. And yeah, I they've been fairly useless for a long time now. Albums like Mechanical Bull and Come Around Sundown. I mean unless you're a completist, are you really going to war for this? And this just feels like Oh absolutely. They're not. back and here's a tour and he sounds a bit more like Bruce Springsteen now, and this is as by the numbers as a well, they're, rock. They're turning song. into the
0: new Bon Jovi. Ooh. And when you know, you know they've got
1: talent, I mean. Bon Jovi's a bit more dynamic, though. At least. Really? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know they go no,
0: country once every decade, no, not, but, but come on. I'm not
1: saying Bon Jovi is dynamic, but, like, it's more dynamic than this. This is,
2: I mean, like Craig said, you know, it's in between. I mean, yeah, that's the phrase that you're looking for here. Like,
0: middle of the road. This is music to take a sedative it. to.
1: You know, this is like me and the dentist chair getting fucking lidocaine
0: sedatives can be kind of fun i mean you wouldn't stick this on would you where are you going with this <laughs> <laughs> it's been a tough week <laughs> yeah. yeah um but no i know like you never really had much love for them i don't know if you probably spent much time with their early work um but that second record i have shake heartbreak has some amazing guitar work on it they were actually quite unusual when he still sounded like he was some hillbilly that just kind of crawled out of the mountains and yeah uh, like you know he's an unusual voice now he's just kind of Bon sho- jovi it up but yeah hes I don't know it's like I always say that
2: Great Zane Lone li- line where um they've basically done it backwards where you know yeah. bands come out with radio friendly clean look and then they go away and grow beards and get interesting and Kings i Leonov somehow managed to flip that on his head come out with the beards and the interesting music and then just yeah descend into nothing.
0: and it's worked for them in terms of the bottom line I mean they've, they've got a massive fan base now they're married to supermodels they're doing grand you know
2: <laughs> someone else with a massive fan base to keep happy is Lady Gaga she has released Perfect Illusion it sounds like this So that is the new single from Lady Gaga. It's taken from her album Joanne, which has just been confirmed to be released on the 21st of next month. Um, it's
0: again it's just, terrible. It's, yeah, I mean, repetitive to the point of just being grating. I mean, I like repetition to paraphrase Marky e. Smith for, I don't know, a change. Um, but no, this is just just horrible, dreadful chorus. I mean, it was written with Mark Ronson and Kevin Parker from Tame Impala. So you expect something a bit interesting to come from it. Kevin Parker flew from Australia to be with her and write this song. Shouldn't have
1: bothered. Um, it's, it's, it's not great at all. Did I mean, when, when this first came out, I, a friend of mine has said to me that he thinks that there a change has been made on the YouTube version of this. Because when it first came out, I, and we both heard it, I, we, we were both like... Uh, do they forget to produce this? Like, like, why do the vocals sound like they haven't been mixed? I mean, like, like, this is bizarre. And yeah, and then a couple of days later on YouTube, it sounded a little bit more boosted. But I don't know how that could be possible because it still had the same view count. But I'm right. I'm I'm convinced that like a demo version went up first, and the replacement, if there is one, and I'm not just losing my mind. Ain't much better. Oh, I think they'll need
2: to be about ten replacements <laughs> before they actually. This get is a, good a this song. is
1: a this is a perfect illustration, if you will, of just how an act can have such a gigantic fan base, a la Beyonce, and then when they bring out a Duff track like this. Like, it's been really kind of funny to watch Gaga fans stretch themselves in knots to try and, like, justify this and, like, the usual shit. The usual, like, you know, oh my God, she's the queen and Yaz, queen, all this bollocks, man. And I'm just like, it's crap. This is crap. This is empty. This is hollow. This is useless. Uh, here's the thing about Gaga, right? She uh, is a star. I respect her. She works her ass off. She puts an awful lot of money. I think pretty much all of her money into her tours and into her, her stage setup. and she genuinely is talented but she doesn't have the songs. I don't think she has the songs. Oh, she's far more interesting in her music which I is I think that she bland. had a few decent songs when she first started out. Poker yeah. Face is a uh, hit. Poker I mean. Face is great. Just answers is, is a really good You know, kind of announcement coming out party. Yeah. Uh, Telephone is a great fucking tune. That was 2010. Bad Romance works to a level. Yeah, Bad yeah, Romance is but that's also first. still around that, that's 2011 I think. Yeah, like, but yeah, like yeah. the last five years you're know, you giving me nothing. And... It's that thing you can. It doesn't matter now. She has her little monsters, and it's fine. But like, it's this is so bad, and like, not only is this bad, this is annoying to listen to. This is irritating, and I hate this. Listen, I mean, one thing that you can
2: be thankful of is that li- that those little monsters uh, aren't old enough to remember Banana Rama. Because if I'd heard this song coming from that Electric Ireland stage at Electric Picnic, wouldn't have been all that surprised or if ABC decided to play it. (laughs) Like, this is so uninspiring. And what's more, to be honest, I think when you listen to that ending where she kind of gives it the vocal gymnastics and it just turns a bit wild I think she knows how uninspiring it is I think she knows how plain that track is well, she's like, and thinks, do yeah, something. thinks well, this is going to be the saving grace why? at the end of
1: it I mean, even if she didn't have Kevin Parker or Mark Ronson who are proven pop writers what's going on? Like, I, mean, I do like, not know are you, are you, is is there really nothing left is there no and also I, she I, wrote
0: I, it on a typewriter that's the big takeaway apparently, Bernard. Um, she's Tom Hanks and,
1: and like the, the album like I'm seeing a lot of fans kind of react with like a bit of kind of uh, trepidation because it's called Joanne which I think is like either her aunt's name or it's her middle name people are like oh this seems like a personal yeah, project yeah, now and they're like oh this could be like her you know her quiet uh, looking inward introspective thing which doesn't have a lot of hits on it I think that this song is a much bigger red flag. This is terrible. Yeah. Can I read out one of the comments from the
0: YouTube just because this was the funniest thing I ever saw earlier. <laughs> someone wrote, how can this song have 13 million views when there's only 7 million people in the world? And <laughs> 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 someone underneath said... <laughs> There are 7 billion people in the world, actually. And then the person responded, um, no, there isn't retard. <laughs> <laughs> and that sums it
1: up. <laughs> wow, well, YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. As always, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, okay, like, it, it hasn't been a good run for Songs of the Week so far. <laughs> is it going to get better with this next one? This is uh, Post Malone, teaming up with his boy, Justin Bieber, <laughs> his, uh, his friend slash perhaps occasional brawling partner. This is Deja Vu. <laughs> You and dressin' he's on the dresser, your head get a mess up. The feeling we catch My love is a blessing. May love in the last May love in the I know you remember Tell me it's that days shall. Cause you want me and I want you. Tell me it's that day's outfull. Cause baby, it ain't nothing all no. nah. No. Tell me, is that days i Yeah, so referencing there the fact that on tour earlier this year, there was uh, a bit of a fracas apparently, in a nightclub where Bieber ashed a cigarette out on Post Malone's arm, Post Malone grabbed him by the throat. Apparently, it was just two lads horsing around. Yeah, apparently putting cigarettes out on each other
2: was a thing.
0: Yeah, it's a new bro hug. And Mm. again, is it maybe the most interesting thing about this track? Apart from the fact that it sounds like Hotline Bling, which people are going crazy about. It sounds exactly like Hotline Bling.
2: It's exactly like Hotline Bling. And what's more, I want to commend Dave for pronouncing deja vu correctly, uh, which is something that neither of them actually achieve on this song. It's <laughs> very true, yeah. It's massively annoying. Uh, <laughs> it's not the worst thing I've ever heard, to be honest. I do think they may be caught between two poles in terms of making it, you know, a proper hip-hop jam or making it a more sort of like softer pop approach for Bieber. And it's sort of maybe
0: fallen in between. Yeah. And listen, Post Malone isn't great, is he, really? It's I mean,
1: yet to be fully determined, but I'm leaning towards no. no
0: I feel like he's the guy that... 15 years ago would have been in a dreadful new metal band or rap metal band like he's yeah just I can that see cool. that
1: I mean I'll say this I think I think White Iverson is an excellent yeah, song great. and I love it's loved, a bit of a jam he like, has his moments but I do love his vocals on that. obviously his vocals on Fade are fucking killer yeah he nails it but we I think that's that. a case
0: of Kanye knowing how to use like 30 seconds of For sure and you that's know, why like the panda you know,
1: thing um, can he do it on a long form record? I'm not too sure. This isn't very inspiring. It's fine. It's kind of pleasant. Yeah, it works for the vibe that he's going for. Like you know, Bieber's
0: he... phoning it in though. I mean, it's so unremarkable. At one point, he just starts going like he's just like discovered that auto tune's kind of fun, and he's going and, like that's it. This felt like <laughs> something
1: that they basically like you know after a gig or after a night out, they hit they hit like their studio at like four in the morning, but got their studio stoned stone off their tits and just like did a song together and put it out there, which is probably what happened. I yeah. mean,
0: like Drake was in the corner turtle.
1: <laughs> their studio of course is not just like your average let's go home to a bedroom studio this is like you know the state of the art that's why the song sounds pristine as you would expect mm-hmm. but yeah i mean like is that is that all right though like, like i mean like, like I, I don't have a problem with the song existing even if it is just two guys dicking it's generous if you take no but i mean
0: like <laughs> what a week this is for tracks <laughs> but, but i mean, don't like- have a problem with the song <laughs> existing <laughs> Fucking on the poster, There will be right no thing? petition started.
1: <laughs> um, I'm okay with this.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's fine, you know. I mean, I guess, obviously, if they're going to try to make it the lead single of an album, yeah, you jump in with an objection. If they just made a track and, you know, want to release it, want to share it, I mean, it doesn't have a video, I don't think. It's just on Spotify right now. That's correct. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. fine. Yeah. Great. And
0: pretty fair enough to kind of rip off Drake, considering that song was just a rip off of Cha-Cha to begin with. Mm. It was a sample, so yeah, fine.
2: One track that is getting slightly bigger treatment premiered in Animac last week. It's the lead single from Justice's new album. It is called Randy. And it sounds like this. so that is from the new justice album that will be called woman the single is randy and one of the
0: lyrics is got to get it up to make it better which is great so yeah um this is do we want to say unremarkable again yeah. you know what it's, <laughs> it's like funny. such an unremarkable word to keep using. we've
2: been talking about kevin parker a few minutes ago at lady gaga cuz this yeah. to me sounds
0: like a bad team in Palestine. it is it's a bad it's it's one of the tracks that did make herns yeah um and they've been away for five years. Um, the first record I thought was very good, actually, to be honest, for kind of European dance music. They were nimble. They had great ideas. I think thought it really worked. They lost me a bit with the second one where they decided to go a bit country music. And I just thought, OK, I'm out now. It's been a while. Haven't really been missed, I, I don't think, to a huge degree. And with this, it sounds like maybe returning to some of the ideas from the
1: first record, but just
0: not executing them as well.
1: Justice are one of the more disposable dance acts out there. I feel. I mean, like obviously they broke out with uh, the track with Simeon, Mobile Disco, or Simeon also mm-hmm. Mobile Disco, which you know we are your friends, which of course led to the big stage invasion, kind of the, the the beginning really of the Kanye West ego. Um, and that's a great tune. That's still a great tune. Uh, D A N C E, I think, is not good. Brilliant song. Do you think? It, do you I think it's it. brilliant? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think a, that's a good a song. But do you not think sure. that, like it's part of that kind of time period where like. You had stuff like klaxons and you had a no. lot of stuff kind of no, coming out. that, Like no. that kind of enemy were pushing that new rave thing. I know, And, uh, no. and it, it just kind of like, even like standing in the way of control by the gossip. Those those kind of like, that kind of... I like think you're like just associating with stuff
0: you hate because it came out and around the same time. <laughs>
1: no, I, 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 I don't hate those songs. I mean, like, 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 granted, these are, I am associating with stuff I would have heard in, in the nightclub. The, you know, like, in, the, like, in the club. In the club. In that club. In the club. Uh, find me in the Rich club which nightclub Dave <laughs> fusion nightclub Andrado no I mean still I've, going I mean it, it <laughs> says it, 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 it all
2: like their, their sound especially on that album owed a lot more to just you know the sort of traditional French house sound than it did sort of any particular trends in pop or rock I thought it was awesome. yeah, Italian trends. disco stuff as well no I, I don't know if it was rave I'm really it. disappointed to be perfectly honest I loved that first record mm. uh,
1: Stress is an amazing song Even that w-
2: Waters and Nazareth oh. was the song that Epic. I just yeah That was incredible. I can remember seeing it live, and that sort of breakdown towards the end was just wild. It was
1: insane. says a lot about this new track that we are not talking about it. Yeah. It's kind of a feature of this week's songs, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. this this might be the worst week we've had for songs of the week. I mean, it's a heavyweight (laughs) week in terms of names, but it seems like all these big names are just phoning it in. And this track, like, there's a six minute version. There's a three minute and thirteen second radio edit version. Yeah, you don't need the six minute version. You don't I don't need, know if you need the you three need the radio minute radio version. <laughs> like, this is so again, like, like this is phoning it in and not coming up with end that's even half decent. I just found this so throwaway and so unmemorable. It had no hook to it. This is not what you want from a comeback single. You know, you're kind of like you want to fucking wow with a comeback single, especially this year. We talked about this a lot. This is a big year for music, and it's it's it keeps going. Every week there's new stuff, and every week there's new names, and then it's kind of like, you know, you're like, oh, Jesus, they have a new album coming out? Like, really? In the next three months? Fucking hell. So I feel like, in this year in particular, you got to be ruthless when it comes to your music choices, and pretty much everyone on this list is not doing it this week. Yeah, granted,
2: pretty much everyone on that list, it's also our first taste of what's to come.
0: Yeah, and so. also these days, I mean, you're not having that big official, here's our single, sometimes it's just, we'll stick this up online, get the ball rolling. You know, it's n- not kind of indicative, maybe, of the entire albums, but we'll see. We'll hope so.
2: Yeah. Uh Speaking of albums, we are about to talk about Nick Cave's uh, new effort. It's called Skeleton Tree. At first, though, uh, the accompanying documentary uh, was released this week, and Dave, clapped
1: eyes on it, I did, yeah. Uh, in the name of music journalism, I went down to Lighthouse Cinema on the basically like one more time with feeling is the name of the accompanying documentary to this record. Uh, it exists ostensibly so that Nick Cave doesn't have to do any interviews uh, surrounding this record. For anyone who doesn't know, um, the na- not the narrative, the kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, guys. The the background the background of the, i guess like like the thing that's kind of hovering over this yeah. this album is the death of his son arthur cave who died at the age of 15 having uh, fallen off a cliff and the album from what i can gather was definitely you know in production it was it, like like he had written a good bit of it and you know like so it wasn't that this entire record is based off that however you can certainly not only apply what happened to it anyway, but also the fact that like there's definitely some stuff here which was written after the fact. And there's also he talks about it in the film about the idea of, you know, almost prophesizing things and how his wife, Susie Cave, is quite superstitious about a lot of his lyrics and how, you know, he's kind of like wondering aloud about like, is there any truth to this? And like, you know, like, you know, like is is this a possible thing? Uh, Andrew Dominic is the director of this documentary. Um, they have worked together in the past, um, most notably when Nick Cave and Warren Ellis provided the soundtrack to the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which I also saw on the Lighthouse last week in 35 millimeter, which was just exquisite. And that music, particularly the ending, I've banged on about enough. I won't go into it again, but it's just it's, it's it's a magnificent piece of work. And yeah, I, I, I this premiered and with a worldwide kind of synchronized event. Uh, actually after we recorded the podcast last week and I got to catch one of the encore screenings because it was only in cinemas for like a weekend as far as I'm where it's gone now and the intention was to catch it and then, you know, get yourself to it. So, it in 3D, which was strange, didn't really add an awful lot but I can see what they were going for. Um, There's a lot to unpack here and I'm not even sure where to start. Uh, Like, it opens up at Warren Ellis and, you know, he's basically saying, like he's in a cab and he's saying, like, I'm not going to talk to you about what happened i'm not going to talk to you about what nick is going through i'm not going to you know give you a proper journalist thing here and he's not being you know cold or rude or anything like there's a sense throughout this that like you kind of wonder why it's even happening apart from the perhaps obvious reason of it has to happen because it gets him out of you know just talking to people yeah it's a weird situation to be asked questions that he will he will on a subject matter that he will have to deal with now for the rest of his life i mean it starts off and like he's in a hotel room, he's getting ready, and he puts his shirt on, he does does his hair, and then, you know, the camera that they're using to film him isn't in focus. So he has to do it again. And he's kinda on the voiceover, he's kinda like, I'm here with these fucking filmmakers and their new fancy three D camera's not working properly and I have to do this again and he just seems shell shocked by everything and throughout the film Nick Cave seems quite lost. Uh, he seems kinda like a lost little boy in, in many respects and it's incredibly unflinching in essence, it's 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 a musical in... Because like, every track on this record, the A-tracks, get played at different intervals. They're in this kind of big studio thing. And through clever kind of camera work, you get to see different processes of it. Yeah. I mean, the videos that we have seen so far uh, for Jesus Alone and I Need You are taken directly from this film. Like They are what you see uh, as part of this. I mean, it's... It's harrowing. It's it's as raw and unflinching as you you might imagine it might be, and it never feels forced. Uh, There's a moment where Nick Cave talks about strangers kind of offering platitudes, and he talks about how he was standing in a bakery and someone came up to him and grabbed his arm, and his involuntary reaction to this was to harden up and kind of scowl a little bit, before realising, you know, that he was now surrounded by what he calls kind eyes. And the person who took his arm said to him, we're all with you, man. And he wondered how he suddenly found himself uh, an object of pity. And he just seems so resentful by this, and he's just—he's trying to make sense of it all. He's so, uh, like he's—he's he's constantly looking inward. He's constantly even looking at himself for like, like uh, he's concerned with his appearance. Uh, he says at one point, the director says, "I look like a battered monument," and he looks at the bags under his eyes and says they weren't there a year prior. Um, it's really, like, it's drawn a lot of kind of uh, interesting journalism, as you might imagine. There's a great piece on fact, and it says, I'm going to read from it now, it says, there's a quote where Nick Cave says, imagination needs room to breathe, and when trauma happens, there is no room to breathe. We all hope for something dramatic in our life that we can write about, but this trauma, it was very damaging to the creative process. So, the fact that he can kind of give you a moment like that, where he steps out of himself and looks at himself as an artist, while also dealing with the death of his child, and he's not doing it in a way that is genuinely, like, you know, there's no selfishness about it. Like, it's just a, it's it, it's a comment of him because, like, you know, he's obviously someone who has been, he's always working on music, he's always doing stuff, whether it's, like, this is the 16th record by Nick and The Bad Seeds, he's got Grinder Man, he's done film soundtracks. So for him to kind of find himself in this kind of personal hell is incredibly interesting how it impacts on him professionally, and I think a lot of the reason why the album kind of comes out the way it does is because of the support structure that he has around him, most notably Warren Ellis, who is always in the background during this movie, and provides that kind of best friend thing without actually it being too much. So, yeah, I mean, like, if anyone can get a chance to see it, I don't know when it's going to be released properly. I think it has to be seen. It's It knocked me for six. And at the same time, I don't think that you necessarily... I don't think you can, you cannot connect with the record unless you... you know, like, yeah. It's it's definitely like an, an amazing companion piece. And, yeah, after it was over, I was like, I needed a fucking hug. <laughs> Man, like, it's so...
0: Come over here, come it's, on, It's, so, it's <laughs> so, over It's here. just so
1: intense, like it's so, it, there's so much empathy in it. And yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering what you guys have experienced with this record, having not had that kind of uh, vivid accompaniment.
0: Well, yeah, it's pretty feckin' intense. <laughs> um, it's interesting because you say he kind of does, you know, wonder out loud in the film whether he has kind of prophesied certain things. And there's obviously, you know, this thing hanging over, this dreadful, dreadful thing hanging over it. But he also, just from what I've read, it seems he kind of stresses that actually a lot of the, most of the lyrics were done beforehand. The songs were kind of done beforehand. So, and actually, to a large extent, with the aesthetic of this record, I mean, it's a lot darker than the last one, understandably. But what you push the sky away. I mean, those kind of flowing, free form atmospheric tracks rather than fully composed songs this is a nice continuation of that and I kind of feel like the record might have sounded like this regardless of the awful tragedy that happened the songs themselves don't seem terribly impacted in terms of the writing and the composition and what the musicians are doing but what does it for me is obviously it's totally recontextualized with this death but also it's his performances I mean, he's kind of built his career on, you know, taking you to bad places, kind of how many songs do you have where countless people die. And again, he's writing kind of Third person, or just totally different characters, but this time he's investing so much of himself. And you know, he this is a guy that's written songs called like the Weeping Song, but you've never heard him be so like destroyed. He's on the verge of tears at times, yeah. Through these performances, uh, yeah.
2: There's a few tracks uh, in it. Um, I, I think it's I Need You, uh, oh, yeah. He's, he sounds like he's curled yeah. up in the feet he's position, about like, yeah, to cry, yeah. Um, we'll actually
1: have a quick listen to that, will we? Yes, let's. <laughs>
2: That's perhaps the most emotional that at least we hear Nick Cave vocally on this record. It's also perhaps the track in which we hear Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds at their most complete. Uh, We've talked a lot this year about albums, whether it's Pablo, whether it was uh, Angel Olsen, the idea of kind of sketches that, you know, maybe they aren't kind of fully realised pieces, but rather fleeting glances. And... This album takes it to a new extreme where even each individual song seems to be made up by sometimes disparate pieces of music or little bits slung together. And in the context of everything that we've spoken about, you know, it's unsettling and it's arresting, but I can shake the feeling that the weakness is quite apparent at times. Uh In that documentary, I know I I broke my general rule of not reading around an album that I'm about to review. Uh, That was partially because I knew I wasn't going to get to the documentary and that that context might be useful. Mm. And frankly, as well, because I hold my hands up and say, I can't empathize with this record for my life. Nothing has ever happened in my 28 years that vaguely compares to what Nick Cave has gone through. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to get a little bit of a handle on it, I guess. Um, And yeah, he said himself that one thing, you know, that he maybe regretted or that he thought about was strengthening his own voice before he went to studio. And he means that in a technical sense, in, in terms of actual vocal delivery. Now, I don't think that's necessary. I think the fact that his you know, he has a bit of fragility here, uh, adds a lot. I think that if it was the barking authoritative Nick Cave that we're kind of used to, it wouldn't have been nearly as effective. It wouldn't feel right. Yeah. But I think that the sort of figurative voice to be strengthened, you know, there is something to be said that maybe uh, these songs could
1: have been a little more complete, I suppose. But I think the fact that they're kind of almost sketches really works. And again, it's kind of like, is that because of what happened? Is that because of this mm. horrific thing that has happened to him in his life? Has this resulted in I mean obviously, like I mean the reviews are across the board five stars. Yeah. How much that is Yeah, I mean it, human empathy. I, I don't
0: think it's a five star record. No, I, don't I don't
2: think don't, it's a five star record. Well very few records are, and I don't I, think
1: it is either, but
2: I, th- I thought it was funny when you mentioned, you know, the the background to the record is, is, you know, the death of his son. Because, like, it's not the background, really, is it? Like, it's the background; it's the foreground. Yeah, yeah. It's like it runs through the record like the writing in a stick of rock. And it's one of the things that was really difficult about reviewing this was that it's so difficult to parse the inspiration from the actual finished product. You guys know from working with me that I hate the phrase "it is what it is." but that's just about the only way to describe this record. <laughs> like, if it was made three months later, six months later, nine months later, if you change this and that, it it kind of changes everything. I love
1: that phrase. I believe that's a Robert De Niro line in heat. But, uh, no, I, I, yeah, you're right. Uh, can this record ever be divorced from context? Perhaps not. No.
0: And, and that's true of a lot of records, I mean, and of art in general. Um, but, you know, I think the sketches thing and the kind of sometimes formlessness of it works to a certain extent in that there's a kind of weightlessness to some of the music and Warren Ellis brings a lot of that kind of just, you know, airiness and, you know, low-key synths, which I think prevent it from being the kind of claustrophobic record it could have been. It just stops it getting too intense at times. Well,
1: that's the thing. I mean, like, like that's another line from, from the documentary where, like, you know, he's looking at Warren Ellis and he says, uh, look at him there holding it all together. And he says, what would I do without Warren? Yeah, and I'm telling you man my heart fucking swells <laughs> like Warren Ellis comes across like just like an incredible person an incredible figure by not, by not even doing that much but he has such command you see him he has such command of his environment and I think the man is a musical genius anyway but well like, yeah I
0: would say he makes a beautiful sound but sometimes I do think certainly with the last record and this one going by you know what they've turned out and him being the main foil now to Nick Cave since uh, Mick Harvey left after Dick Lazarus Dick, I think sometimes you make. Miss some of Mick's, I don't know, just form and kind of classicism, just kind of that, you know, putting structures on songs, maybe knocking melodies into shape. I do think, as as Cullum says, you do miss a little of that kind of fully formed structure. And there's certain points, certainly the kind of middle sectionist record, I just think it, it lags. And there's moments, there's certainly strong moments. Some of his writing, it, it just gets you, but some of it can be quite aimless, I think. I want
2: to ask you, you mentioned the middle section. How do you feel about this album's conclusion?
1: I Well, see, you say, you know, one thing that you hate when it comes to music journalism is the phrase, it is what it is. Uh, you know, from working with me slash knowing me, I think you both know that, like, when it comes to reviews and when it comes to, you know, taking on an album or a film, I'm fucking all about subtext. I'm right. all about finding my own kind of narrative. And something I'm kind of obsessed with is catharsis and finding little corners of light Mm -hmm. like my album reviews i don't really get into my like you know and then this song does this and then the guitar does that because that's just not the kind of writer i am and it's not the kind of writing i like to read granted that might be a bit pretentious but that's just my style um when it comes to yeah i'm a sucker for i said before even about movies and stuff i'm a sucker for for like a a a, a really good ending i think most people are I, i think you can go to the cinema you can see like a shit movie for two hours but it has a great fucking ending and you're like oh this is incredible um I love the way this record ends. I think Skeleton Tree is is the perfect... I think it's the only way you could end this. It is a great ending, yeah. Because it offers you... It offers you something. Song. It gives you some fucking hope that he's yeah. going to get through this and that you can get through this. And that's kind of like where... I do think, yeah, I'm with Craig. It, it does lag in the middle. And even like the opening track, Jesus Alone, like as George on a previous episode noted, it sounds more like a radio transmission than a song. Um. Or frequen- it sounds like David Lynch's kind of fridge, or a frequency, <laughs> yeah, or like, like, like a weird frequency or something. And I mean, like, ultimately, I kind of it has a, it has a narrative. It, it it has that kind of you know that like like a, almost like a three act play structure. It might not be the most incredibly easy thing to listen to, but like, I really love that it ends with the possibility of light, the possibility of hope. And yeah, I, and I think that like you know, it's it would have been wrong for it to end on a damn beat note.
2: I have to say that. The track before it, I wasn't a huge fan of distant sky. Oh, I, I thought mean, it, that was great. It just sounds to me like a funeral procession. Well, it's it's a kind of him. It but is, yeah, yeah it it's, is a it's him. very dark, but I think um, it's beautiful. But you know, you might as well have just put a cover of Going Home on it. <laughs> but uh, but there is a sense of. Like closure is, is that a decent enough word to use there's a
1: hint of that in that final track in a Skeleton uh, no Tree I wouldn't say closure but maybe kind of an acceptance some level so, of acceptance yeah please. acceptance yeah. for sure and I mean like again like to go back I I, I can't not go back to the film because mm-hmm. it's so interlinked uh, there's a moment where like he's in his house and he talks about how again platitudes you know like like that kind of thing But people will say what they can they'll do what they can but then of course they will go away and you're on your own Um, and he says that like people say he's there he's in your heart He's with you. He's there with you. You know, he's right there. And Nick Cave is like, he's not. He's like, I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he's in my heart, but he he doesn't live. Yeah. And to hear him just say that, it was like fuck. And then like he says, um, he's looking at the window at one point, and he kind of just trails off, and he kind of says, um, it happened to us, but it happened to him. And you're just like, you're one. like, my heart's breaking right here. Um. So yeah, I do. Yeah, I, closure. No acceptance Yeah, Closure isn't the right word. Well, I think it's interesting... He, he sounds at peace. At some level, to a he degree. sounds at peace.
0: I think it's interesting that with the first track you talk about, that kind of electric drone, which is just quite sharp and disconcerting, the way that's totally inverted with the droning synths, which are much more kind of just uplifting on the last track, I think gives... It's, some of the sting is gone, at least, I think.
1: Yeah, and the one thing I do want to say before we get the scores or whichever is, you were kind of saying, you know, I can't directly relate to what's happened to him. Of course, no one at this table can. An awful lot of people cannot. And I mean, like a friend of mine doesn't want to listen to the. I, I think he doesn't want to listen to this record because, you know, he has a child of his own. And I feel like you know it's. Because I said to him, I was like, "You got to You know, you got to watch this movie." And he was like, "No." <laughs> um I, I, I think that you can have empathy for another human being, even if you've never been through the trauma of, of or even like that, that that he's going through, or even like have a child of your own. Because I, I just found it like really just the idea of, you know, life and death and mortality and, you know, being a bit and better to each other. I, I thought that was amazing. And, like, Nick Cave, like, like, as a friend of mine noted, like, only Nick Cave would not put one of the best lyrics on his own record because there's a part in the documentary where he's reading from, I guess it, it could be lyrics, it could be a poem he wrote. And there's a line in particular which uh, really hit me. And he says, um, And everyone out here does mean, and everyone out here does pain, but someone's got to sing the stars, and someone's got to sing the rain. You're just like, fuck me, man. Like, you have such incredible imagination, despite his constant protestations to the contrary uh, in, in this documentary. Yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating record. I don't think it's one that we're going to keep returning to, like, you know, a lot. But fuck no. <laughs> fuck this week. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but, like, it is, I think it is an incredible work, though. I really, really do. Um, scores. It's an A for me. I think those three closing tracks
0: are. Very, very strong. Rings of Saturn, as well, which seems to have nothing to do with this narrative, is a great track as well. So there's stuff I will return to. Um, I it's think Dylan Amber is amazing as well. Dylan Amber is very good, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, I would give it 7.5. and Pretty much the same thing as Craig. Yeah, uh, starts pretty well, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, last track is lovely. And there it does lag in the middle. But uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's an eight for me, but it really feels like one of those records where a rating is completely immaterial. Absolutely, uh, I yep. think it's I think it's a record everyone should check out, and I do especially think that when that documentary becomes available, take the two hours and go for it because it's just it's fascinating and it's difficult, but it's important and it's a tribute, and I think it's an achievement. Now, don't worry, folks. We. Not going to leave you on that note. Uh, okay. We're quickly going we to talk about
2: another album that we listened to this week. It's Hamilton Lighthouser and Rostam Yay. and their <laughs> joint effort called I Had a Dream That You Were Mine. It sounds like this.
0: a dream a thousand times. I am-
2: Yeah, that's A Thousand Times. It was the lead single from Hamilton Lighthouser and Rostam's album. Uh, we played the track on this show a little while ago and I wasn't blown away.
1: You know, you, you cost us a listener.
2: I'm really glad to say that I have changed my mind. Um, yeah, Thank you.
0: Seeing the light. That annoyed me when I heard the episode. No,
2: you <laughs> know Me
1: sitting right here. <laughs> that's an incredible song.
2: I think at the time I kind of said that, yeah, there wasn't enough... Balance by way of kind of dynamics. um, Which, I mean, you know, I might stand by in the case of, you know, if it's just a three and a half minute song. Obviously here it's not in the context. It's the first of ten. And it's a great album opener. And
0: I really enjoyed this record. Yeah, so did I. I agree with the kind of... It's a big kind of opening statement. It's a great melody as well. I mean, there is a kind of, you know, it is insistent, but I think rightfully so. And when it cuts that chorus, it's just... <sighs> but also uh, like, the chord it, changes him, him
1: when he like it we're, we're all smiling again in the studio <laughs> yeah like, just thinking about God. it <laughs> uh, well like this
2: song i mean like both, both for the record and 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 just generally it sets a tone doesn't it
1: massively so it's like it's uh i you know i kind of said to someone i was looking for people to review it for headstuff music and i was like i haven't listened to it yet but i would imagine it sounds like sauntering down you know a new york city street oh, yeah. in, in summer sunshine uh that bit where he's like you know uh I'm kicking the doors in and his vocal just gets bigger you're like fuck come on <laughs> like, it's, just, it's so, so such a
0: good singer and it's interesting kind of Rostam singer. talking about just like for years I've just wanted to use his voice and just in every way possible well let's talk and, about Rostam for a second okay, well, let's yeah.
1: talk about like you know like his kind of career trajectory because that's very much changing and I'm wondering now can I break my heart again Gonna <laughs> <can I> break my <laughs> heart again obviously Rostam uh, for anyone who doesn't know is now ex-Vampire Weekend he left in January of this year which follows their excellent, excellent record, Modern Vampires of the City. Are we coming up in three years? Has it been three years? Two years? Yeah, 2013. 13. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Wow. That, that's a that fabulous was. record with some really August songwriting, and they really got into their groove. And you didn't want to find one of the key members being like, see So that's happened now. He's obviously worked with different people. You know, he was on the Tokyo Police Club track from last week, which was a bit of a kind of a middle-of-the-road thing. But you expect a lot from him. And what I'm wondering now is, when we hear the next Vampire Weekend record, is there going to be an obvious hole there? Does he bring enough to this? Because the one thing I will say about this record, which I do really, really like, is this is not very far removed from Hamilton Lighthouse's first record from two years ago, three years ago. Oh, yeah. Black Errors. Yeah. Like, it sounds very similar, which is fine, but... I kind of thought Rostam would have brought a little bit more to it. Really? I thought he was all over this, no? Certainly with the kind of, you know, treated drums,
0: which were a signature of the last record. I mean, he's done a lot of that. His work on the piano, I think. I mean, there's just times the harpsichord. It's almost like a Paul McCartney thing of just, like, taking the pop back to old-timey stuff and then just readapting it and putting it in a different context. So I felt like his marks were all over this. And the more and more we kind of hear him do stuff, he really does have a kind of hankering for... Pre sixties music, I think, uh, mm. a big nostalgic streak, and then there's times where, I mean, it almost kicks into Bob Dylan again, walking down a New York street kind of stuff. You know, you've got the harmonica out, and there's just kind of lots of touches to different eras, but they kind of make it a, make it their own, I think.
2: Yeah, is there a little bit too much retro on this album? At it times, it is very retro. I mean, it's as kind Craig of last said, call
0: at the bar, isn't it? And it's you know, it's well, and that
2: rough going I don't let up is like
0: positively fucking uh, do-wop to yeah. do yeah yeah that was a bit much I think for but me but this
1: is similar again to, to Black Errors, where like it felt like uh, Hamilton Layhouse's kind of you know world music slash era tour where it was just like he was like and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna jump into this decade and I'm gonna jump into this genre which is great uh, I, that's fantastic I mean like it, it pulls him away from the Walkmen, which he fronted in that regard and that it gives him that freedom to kind of do that however he's not He's he's kind of Taking scraps from differently, it's almost like, like like he picked up a big compendium and was like, "Oh, class, I'll do this and now I'll do that." And now I've got Rostam with me on this. So, I think that both those records, uh, and this is not this is not a bad thing, but they're collections of songs, you know, right. Rather than oh, very much. Here's so. formed There's no yeah, and, like, and, like, and that's totally fine. But I think if you want something very substantial here, you're not going to get it.
2: Yeah, I, I I agree, and and as well, frankly, it's so overflowing with ideas. That on certain tracks, you, you know, just as you were about to start to, as you say, like get something slightly deeper, boom, they're
0: off again. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I, I guess what knits it together is the fact, and probably what Ross Sam was counting on, that you have that voice. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely. just like, oh, we've got such a distinctive thing. We can just mess around. And they were clearly having fun.
2: And oh, I, I was just about to say, there is energy, yeah. like, exploding from this record. This track called You Ain't That Young Kid. Which I think might be one of the few times where they don't seem to be, uh, you know, chock full of ideas. But the energy alone just keeps the song just fucking
1: bouncing, man. Absolutely, yeah. I love Sick as a Dog as well. And again, that opens up with yeah. those big treated drums, which you're just like... Great again, bass like if as you're, well. If you're walking to work on a sunny morning, you're like, you're walking to work on that sunny <laughs> oh, you're oh, you're walking Oh, you're walking, buddy. You're walking. Uh, yeah. I mean, like you know, this is fine. I mean, like I mean, like <laughs> fine. no. What I, what I mean is, it's fine in, in regards, like I don't need every album to be this big, yeah, yeah. thought out concept piece. I'm happy to see guys having fun, and like they were on uh, Stephen Colbert's mm-hmm. show. They did it a thousand times, and the fucking they were beaming. You know, they're loving it. They're loving life. <laughs> yeah, uh, like Ross and there, like you know, like, just that kind of like. That steady hand. Like, do we want Rostam to now move on to someone else? I mean, like, do we want him to... I think
0: that's what he's going to do. He's working with so many people, it's just going to...
1: But even, like, to do a full album with another person, like, like do you kind of hope he, that he becomes that kind of almost, like, special guest slash depends tag team qu- partner? Depends I how
0: quickly he can do it, I
2: guess, doesn't it? I mean, you know, if it's going to be the case that he kind of goes away and spends two years working with somebody yeah. to try to get their record, essentially, uh, that, yeah, probably isn't... Amazing. You'd I mean, like the alternatives are what he more. sticks
0: with Hamilton, or he just does the solo record and maybe just doesn't have the confidence in himself as a performer, his voice, I'm not sure, I don't know. So he might just feel, no, I'm a songwriter, I'm a producer, I'll just kind of...
1: You know, work with different people. Well,
2: we probably have no shortage of people who will be interested. Uh. Uh, We're using this as a calling card.
1: As for Hamilton himself, though, I mean, like, like, how much does this does this advance him as a solo artist? Are we content to have someone who just has that kind of a voice? Because even like, you know, I keep going back to Black Arrows, but even the cover for that record looked like a poster for a gig in the sixties. Like, you know, it, there's a there's a real classical element about it like yeah. I feel like he'd be the kind of singer that like my dad would have gone to see yeah. like, there's just something about like he's clearly deliberately mining this kind of no- not necessarily nostalgia it's, but yeah. like he's paying tribute to everything that's come before him and that he probably grew up listening to
0: I was thinking that actually just kind of when I was walking over to you guys my parents would have owned this record in you know the late 70s it's kind of Tom Waits before his voice went mental um, <laughs> but it's just it's it's really comforting as well I really liked just you know the songs are strong enough to be like yeah we're, we're kind of in this mode and we're digging it you know, yeah. As you say, it's 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 not the Walkman. It's not kind of forward thinking. It, but um, I'm content to just have him around singing. To be honest, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's got a line where he says something like, uh, "I use you know the same voice I've always had." Yeah, and you're like, "Well, if you had that voice, absolutely, go for it." You yeah,
2: know? absolutely. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see who he ends up in studio with because you feel as though there's going to be quite a few people who have their own ideas and theories and in terms of what you could use that voice to do. Um, let's give scores. It's an eight for me.
0: Yeah, I'll give it a kind of eight, yeah. Yeah, it's eight across the board,
1: actually. Thumbs up. We're uh, always giving eight. The dark and the light (laughs) for for, for listeners to check out. So, yeah, uh, nice nice to end on a high note. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) we did it it, guys the grimmest episode of No Encore today well
0: what about when we heard about Prince's death 10 minutes beforehand (laughs) that was tough that
1: that was tough and we had no Cullum yeah we had no Cullum Cullum to steer us it was about 2 hours we we, we had fucking red enemy coming in (laughs) they cheered us anyway okay anyway look uh, we'll wrap it up for this week guys thank you for struggling through thank you cheered me up you know I'm glad Cullum I hope you're cheered up too cheers man Okay, uh, to play us out this week for Exit Music, uh, an interesting one, I have to say. Um, this band slash project were previously savaged by uh, our good friend Joshua Hughes on Heads of Music about 18 months ago in a review of their then record. This is No Monster Club, uh, the kind of the project of Bobby Ahern. It's Taken uh, The name of the song, sorry, is Hippocampus Circus Maximus, which I hope is a reference to Asterix. Uh, taken from the Where Did You Get That Milkshake, the first ever No Monster Club 7-inch, which is out this week. Now, the whole point I'm giving that intro is we're diplomatic on this show, you know? One person's opinion is one person's opinion. I happen to quite like this song, so sorry, Josh. Uh, If you happen to find yourself over in the States at the end of this month, uh, No Monster Club are doing a bunch of shows, so hit up their internet website for more, I suppose. My name is Dave Hanreddy. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. And this is No Monster Club with Hippocampus Circus Maximus. See you next week. This has been a production of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.
0: It's got a whole process now. Alan, I
2: can only apologize. Right?
1: <laughs> the been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal.
2: There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's.
0: Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water... So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.